0: The minute I walked into Hoffman, I had a one-on-one with Raz about my work. He went through all my pre-Hoffman work, and I think he asked me like three questions. And um, I remember one was, when did you lie last? <laughs> I remember telling him, I lied to my mother that I was coming here.
1: Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Liz Severn, and on this podcast, we will explore graduates' journeys of self-discovery and learn how the process transformed their internal and external worlds. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, everybody. I am really excited, as today on the podcast, we have David Fischoff.
0: Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. I am a father of five, a grandfather of eight. Prior to going to Hoffman, I probably would have listed all my credits, but my family is most important to me, and secondary is my career as a music and sports agent. I started my career off as a sports agent, representing many professional athletes over the years, including baseball great Lou Pinella, to football great Phil Sims, many athletes, and then I transitioned into the rock and roll world where I created tours like Happy Together, Dirty Dancing, and The Monkees in 1986. And then I continued uh, bringing Ringo's All-Star Band. I brought that to fruition. And now for the last 25 years, I've been doing the rock and roll fantasy
1: camp. I mean, there are so many directions that I could take this because knowing what I know about you, you are one of the most interesting people that I've had the pleasure of talking to but I first think I heard about you through well through Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp but also through the process. You are a legend in our Hoffman community. So how long ago did you do the process?
0: So I did the process probably 25 years ago. I went to see a, a fellow person in the music business and I walked into their office and they turned to me and said after Three minutes of speaking to me. They said, you know, I think you should go up north and do the Hoffman process. Here's the telephone number. Call Liza and just tell her I told you to call. And I had just come off the road with Ringo Starr and the band for three months. Prior to that, I did three months with the Monkeys, And and I don't know. They just told me you should call this number. And I did. And I remember calling the office and uh, asking, "What what's this program about? My friend told me to call.
1: I love that because truly not much has changed in terms of the process, right? We are still this really tiny, intimate group of people. You can just call the office and talk about it. But I am always delighted to hear the stories of, of, you know, 25, 26 years ago, it was the same. You called in and asked. So what was it that you heard that made you say, okay, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to go away for a week plus and do this.
0: Well, I have to tell you, you know, I've gone back many times, you know, weekends and couples with my wife. And, and you're right, the program hasn't really changed much in 25 years. It's only been gotten better and better for me as an individual. I basically wanted to know a little bit more about it. And I think Liza really explained it to me. And, you know, because I thought I was on top of the world. You know, Here I am on tour for six months, but I had gotten divorced a, a year before, prior, and I couldn't understand why. I got divorced and I because I, I know I'm a good guy. I, I know I feel like I'm a good guy, you know, and my parents are married for 50 years. And how come I couldn't keep uh, my marriage? So that was really one of my biggest questions. I wanted to really learn and understand more about myself. And then when they explained the process and what I'll get out of it, I signed up and and I didn't even really understand that at the time I signed up. But they sent me this paperwork and I remember flying to Israel. And because there was so much paperwork and I was going there anyways, I decided to go through the paperwork. And I would have to tell you, it brought a lot of emotions um, going through that paperwork and it asked me a lot of questions. But I loved that. I thought that was great. They really wanted to know my story. They wanted to know about my childhood, about my relationship with my parents, my traits. And, you know, that was the first time I really, you know, paid attention to traits that you learn from your parents. But I filled out the paperwork. It was extensive. And again, I, I, I loved it. I thought that doing that work, they were really trying to know the most about me so that when I would do the process and I would spend this week there, then they'll have everything about me. I did it. And I sent in the paperwork and that was it before I went. Then, my, then what happened was my dad had passed away in between the time that I filled out the paperwork and the process. Raz was so nice. He called me up and he said to me, you know, David. If you want to come another time, feel free. But I'm going to tell you that this is a very special time in your life. And I think you'll accomplish a lot by coming. And he was so right. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to challenge myself. And I have to tell you that not only was the timing right, you know, and I love my father, but you know, coming off the road after six months being on tour, it really answered all the questions I really wanted to know.
1: I love hearing that. It's and I love hearing that you had the courage to go, even after your father had recently passed. As I know a lot of a lot of people that are interested in Hoffman, it's like life happens, right? And sometimes we can use that as an excuse to not carry on or go forward. But to allow that to move you even deeper into the work, I imagine, was just such a gift.
0: Well, I have to tell you that I deal with this every day. You know, I own the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and I'm really proud of that because about a week ago I I did a comedy fantasy camp with Jay Leno and Adam Carolla, so I'm able to give comedians now their dreams. But I have to tell you, the week before camp at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, I, I have a it's a it's not a joke, but I tell people it's called Cancer Week because people try to cancel. They, you know, the, the wife will call up and say, "My husband's mom has cancer, his brother has cancer, his guitar has cancer, his drum set has cancer." They just throw that word around and. And I and I know what it is. It's just, it's not true. I hate that they use that word, but they want to try to find a, a reason to cancel. You know, and I, and I totally get it. I, you know, I know why people want to cancel. You know, when you go to Hoffman and when you go to my camp, you are really putting yourself in arm's way of going through a life-changing experience. And most of the people who come to Hoffman are very successful people. And, you know, we're type A's and we're so used to, you know, winning and to go somewhere where you know, we're not going to have control of our lives. We are going to, in the end, we do really have control of our lives. But, you know, we're we're so used to wanting to succeed. And here we're going to hear the truth. You know, I always say that Hoffman really ripped me apart, really, which I needed. Being in show business, you know, being around celebrities all day and athletes and, you know, no one says no to you. You know, everyone is always yes, 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 and you're great. And, you know, and, and no one really tells you the truth. And I think what Hoffman did for me was, Really, tell me the truth. Without taking away the great stuff of the entertainment business and sports that I love, I'll I'll never forget. I think I had this conversation with Raz one day, and I I said to him, "One of the reasons that we I like the entertainment business is you get to still be a kid." And he turned to me and he said, "You think Steven Spielberg's a kid? He's an adult, also. (laughs) So he's producing movies, and many executives. You know, we're we're adults, and and I think that the fact that people try to cancel and they get scared." It's a good feeling. And, I, you know, I mean, in a rock camp, I tell people, Ringo Starr, Joe Walsh, Bruce Springsteen, they all get nervous, too, going on stage. So nerves are good.
1: Well, talk us through some of your nerves going into the process. Was there something you were fearful of, or was it all excitement, let's go?
0: Well, you know, two things. Definitely the fear. But you know what? I had taken a different attitude. I had come off the road. I really wanted these answers. I knew I'm a good person. I knew I had, I was, things were lacking in my life. And I was anxious to, to get the answers. So normally I would have not gone because of my father's passing and would have found an excuse. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to tackle the issues." So I went in with a real positive that coming out of Hoffman, there will be the answers that I want. And the biggest answer I got coming out of Hoffman was all the answers are inside of me and really taught me that. That was something that if I would be dating a woman, I'd, I'd go to five friends. What do you think? What do you think of her? What do you want to think of that? Or if I had a business concept and I'd ask 20 people. And the bottom line is, is that all these answers are inside of you. And Hoffman taught me that. It taught me that you can make these decisions. You can make decisions and how to make those decisions. And they come from within. Beautiful.
1: Well, and I'd love to ask everyone the question because a lot of our listeners are grads and I think it helps everyone connect back to their process. When was a moment in time during your process that you really were just either in total shock, awe, but kind of that deeper pull of this is where I need to be, or this is what I'm working towards?
0: The minute I walked into Hoffman, I had a one-on-one with Raz about my work you know he went through my he went through all my pre Hoffman work and i think he asked me like three questions and um i remember one was when did you lie last <laughs> and i remember i remember telling him i lied to my mother that i was coming here <laughs> so i mean right then and there i said wait a minute how did he know this about me <laughs> you know or you know he, he the three questions that he asked me just I knew I was in the right place because I knew I was going to get these answers. So right away when I walked in and then it got, you know, it got stronger and stronger and and, um, and I was getting more and more confident. And, you know, the process is amazing. I mean, just the way they schedule everything and the way it's it's so perfectly timed and. I remember taking some from the process and bring it to my camp and, and that's the element of surprise. And I remember I'd said to Mickey Dolans and the monkeys, I said, Would you come by Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp one day for lunch? And he came by and I turned to the people at, at the meal and I said, Okay, say say hello to Mickey Dolan sitting right next to you. They didn't even know. And I love that element of surprise. And they were just blown away. And I think often did that for me. It gave me a lot of elements of surprises.
1: Well, let's talk about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, because I know this is a huge passion of yours, right? Entertainment, but also, as you're mentioning, bringing some of this joy and childlike excitement and expression back to adults. So talk us through the inception of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp.
0: So the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp started, you know, when I I got this idea, and I was on tour with with Ringo and the All-Star Band, the first tour, and and you can go on YouTube and people can see the. They played a joke on me, these rock stars. Well, I was having dinner um, at the Garden State Arts Center and with we the president of Radio City Music Hall. And Ringo had said to me, I, I want to play uh, Radio City. And he said it like, David, I want to play Radio City. So, it, how great it would be, you know? So, I invited the, the president to come see the band and I'm having dinner with him. And all of a sudden, uh, Nils Lofgren from Bruce Springsteen's band, East Street Band, walks by my table and says, David, this all-star band idea of yours, is bringing all these all-stars together, it's never going to work. And, you know, the bands are fighting and, uh, you know, the band members are fighting. And everyone told me it wasn't going to work. So naturally, people tell me it's, something's not going to work. I do it. And then all of a sudden, Clarence Clemens, the late Clarence Clemens, the big man from Springsteen's band who was in the band, he said to me, Fisher, I'm quitting. And I said, what? He says, yeah, the bands are fighting. Joe Walsh, of the Eagles and Von Helm of the band are fighting over songs and you better go downstairs and, and to the dressing room and straighten it out. I said, Oh no. So all I could see was my house falling down the river. I was going to lose my home. I was going to, I bet the, bet the farm on this tour. And I go down there and I, and I see, I walk in there and Joe Walsh has a knife and uh, blood on his hands and Levon Helm has a glass bottle and they're yelling at each other. And um, I walk in there, and one of the rock stars was filming it, Jim Keltner. I walk in there and say, you guys are a bunch of babies. And they both turned around, and they pushed me, and they threw the glass. And it turns out they stuck their tongues out. It was fake glass. It was a bottle made of sugar. The knife was a rubber knife. They put fake blood, and they just scared me. So then I realized that, uh, you know, they, they played a goof on me. So from that, when I was on that road, then I said to myself, you know, these people, they love what they do. Why don't I put them all together and create a camp? where people can see how amazing these rock stars are and how creative they are. And that's how I started Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And um, in the movie Rock Camp, it's it's one of the opening scenes that uh, people can get on Amazon Prime, you know, so that I created this camp. And I just started to realize that I was changing people's lives and finding their passion. Then after I did Hoffman, I took some of the elements of surprise and some of the things that I learned at Hoffman, basically how they bring you back to your childhood. And you find that passion of who you were when you were a child before anyone ever hurt you, before you were hurt by parents and brothers and sisters and teachers and girlfriends and everything to that one-year-old little David when I was really happy and, and my happiest and two-year-old and three-year-old. And they brought me back to that time in my life where it was the happiest time in my life and because I had a great childhood, my parents were, were, were sweet and Um, And they were nice. I didn't know any different. And so I do that at camp. And I try to take these people back to their teen years when the music was the most important thing to their life and show them that they should go back and try to get them to that part of their life. And when they do, when they find that happiness, it's just unbelievable. You can conquer anything. When you've had that happiness, you can conquer your job. You can conquer your family. It's all these things that, all that hurt that you get over the years that you don't realize you were passed down from your parents. Those positive, and negative traits that really it really affect your day-to-day living and i think that, that that you know that's that's what i try to do in my camp and that's really what i, I learned from you know raz and Liza. what
1: well, has music always been this through line back to your childhood back to these joyful happy years you know music
0: to me has been different kinds of music but to the to camper that's coming to rock camp music is his life you know he the camper comes to me as someone who's been playing in a band since high school and in college, and and then all of a sudden, they, they got to take a position where they have to go make a decision in life, either quit being in a band or go do a real job. And most people, 99.9.9.9% have to go do the real job. And you know the people, the musicians that are able to do it as a living, how amazing it is for them to live their passion. And I have to talk about passion because passion is probably the greatest thing that came out of Hoffman for me. I thought I was passion. I really thought I had a lot of passion in me, but it was so cloudy. My passions were cloudy because of all the hurt and because of all the tr- negative traits. And I think what Hoffman did was just cleared all that negativity out, and then I could find my real passion. And and you know, my real passion is is really doing doing my camps, and and because I get to enjoy the same benefits that i think the hoffman process does you get to really give people a gift of life that they didn't realize that they had
1: incredible yeah i watched the movie rock camp so talk to me how did the idea to to film and put fantasy you know rock and roll fantasy camp into this behind the scenes idea into a movie
0: so uh jeff Rowe, who was the uh, president of vh1 and we worked for, together for many years. He ran the network and came to me and says, you know, David, this thing's amazing. You don't realize what you're doing. And and I said, I know people thank me all the time. He says, I want to make a documentary. And he got a hold of Doug Blush, who's been around three Oscar-winning films, you know, 20 Feet from Stardom, one of my favorite. And Netflix had one on Inviticus, I think it was called. And, and then another one called Period, which, you know, all three won Oscars. And he um, loved what he saw in, in our footage. And together, they, they made an amazing film. And I think people will really, really enjoy it. It's free. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on YouTube. And you'll really see people going through a life-changing experience going through the camp. Besides the people who go to the camp get the experience, get the life-changing experience from the rock stars who really go through the, the most uh, life-changing experience because it reminds them when they first started out. And I think it's so much emotion that they get from it that, you know, some of the stars are in tears. And they get a lot out of it also. So I've been able to be around for 26 years, not because of um, me, but because the rock stars really enjoy it. And I think the same thing with teachers like Ed and yourself. I think that the teachers get a lot out of it as much as the students.
1: Absolutely. And in that movie, though, I just really saw your heart and your passion. So I know, yes, it's the the campers, and yes, it's the rock and roll musicians, but It was really beautiful just to see your spark come alive in that. And the fact that you've been able to keep this going for 26 years really just speaks to how big your heart is, right? And how big this passion and how you live from spirit.
0: And that's Hoffman. I have to say, you know, prior to Hoffman, it was business, 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 money, career. What can I climb? First year, I can. I'll have ten ball players, then I'll have fifteen ball players. I'll do one tour a summer, and, and I'll do two tours a summer. There wasn't enough to fill the inside of me, and, and and I'm glad I did it because I was very successful at it. But then, once I came to a time in my life, once I did Hoffman, and it just kept getting on me and getting on me. I know there's more to life here, and And now I'm really, you know, I'm lucky. I'm 67 years old and I have more passion than ever. I credit Hoffman with that because if I feel like something is wrong in my day to day, I'll just go to the great tools that they taught me there and it's able to bring me back to reality and structure and who I really am. You know, being a son of a a rabbi and a cantor and my brother's a rabbi, my son-in-law's a rabbi, and I didn't want to be a rabbi. But I just saw these people around me constantly giving and, and wanting to help people. And I and I went into this world of show business where, you know, it's help, but it's career, career, career. And so I was able to combine what I learned in show business and, and what I learned from my rabbinical family.
1: Well, that brings us to this other huge part of your life, your faith.
0: Faith is important, you know, and, and Hoffman does it make a difference what your religion is. It doesn't make a difference if you're a Muslim, if you're Buddhist, even if you have no faith, if you're an agnostic. I think Hoffman really deepened my faith. Before I was doing things out I rote. I pray three times a day, and I would go to the synagogues in the morning. And Hoffman was able to deepen my prayers, so, you know, by doing the, the quadrinity process in the midst of my prayers. And doesn't take that much every day to do your quadrinity and to check in with with yourself and you know, often deepen my my religious belief, and and really, and in in my prayer and my meditation.
1: So, talk to me how you hold your praying practice and the quadrinity checking, because I think this is fascinating.
0: So, in the daily prayers in my my religion, there is a they call it the Salat amida and there's 18 blessings, and we basically, we say a prayer, where and we ask, you know, God for everything to protect us, and before I end those 18 blessings, I stop, and I just go into my quadrinity, and I do my physical check, I do my spiritual check, my intellectual check, and my physical check, and I check it every day. If something's off, then, you know, I'll go do one of my tools, and afterwards, and I'll Say okay, what's wrong? What's not working? What's not? And it really grounds me every day. You know, I, I get grounded because of of Hoffman and because of the Quadrinity check. And In the past, I would go uh, if I felt something, I would go eat a Danish. You know, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know how to take those feelings. You know, I, luckily I wasn't into drugs and alcohol, but I, you know, food was my thing. And the program really helped me identify when I had feelings, and I never had that before. I just went, you know, it was exciting or, you know, in show business, it's very up and down, you know, that's why this program is great for people in the entertainment business. You know, we have the highest highs and we probably get the lowest lows because, you know, actors and actresses, they get the high of being on a set, but then not getting a part or, or a musician losing a gig. And the lows are so, you know, are so low. And I think often is able to ground you and you know, many successful entertainers have done Hoffman, you know, the late John Denver and I mean so many names have been public about it. You know, I did a record for I remember producing a record of all the musicians who had done Hoffman asking them for songs and but you know, especially in our business. And and I think what Hoffman does it it just grounds me, you know, get me on my two feet.
1: And what about connection to spiritual self, right? We talk about that often in Hoffman, and for many that might be a new experience. But how are you able to bring in your spiritual self and bring that into your your tradition and your faith?
0: Well, again, I'm able to to feel, and I think the having the spirituality. I don't. I got into a candle fetish. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, but. Everywhere I traveled on tour with Ringo uh, one summer, I just bought candles and candles, you know, and I love candles. And I learned that at Hoffman.
1: Really? But the candles are from Hoffman, huh? Lighting your quadrinity. I love it.
0: But I love candles. I think candles was a big part of me and, and, and I used to light them on my terrace and, you know, that really brought my spirituality to me and I got to be who I really am. You know, Hoffman, it gives you who you are. And you're not there because your mother and your father. You know, one of the things I love watching these award shows, and I remember learning at Hoffman about how we're so geared to our parents, our parents, our parents, our parents. And and if you watch these award shows, you see that everyone who wins, I got to thank my mom. I got to thank my dad. Mommy, are you proud of me now? You know, it's like, I beg my kids, be who you are. Don't worry about me. You know, I know you want to please your parents, and I think it's beautiful, but what Hoffman taught me is be your own person and love your parents, you know, and because your parents gave you a lot of great stuff. They gave you a lot of other stuff, too, but learn to separate those things. And I, I think that, to me, is, was really one, one of the greatest things I learned at Hoffman, to be able to separate myself from my parents and do things for me. And I really want that for my kids. I beg them all the time. Be who you are. Be successful. And I'm very successful. My children, I, I think without Hoffman, I, I, my, my daughter and, and her husband are very successful. A rabbi and, 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 a, and a rabbi's wife here in Los Angeles. My daughter, Alana Noah. My daughter's a top nutritionist. She's got over 2 million TikTok followers. And I think I was able to give them the tools that I learned in Hoffman. And don't worry about Maybe making me proud. Make yourself proud. And I, of course, I'm going to be proud
1: of you. I don't dare ask for a full rundown on your opinion on the music in the process, but I do know that one song was pretty special and fond. You were fond of it. Do you mind telling us that story? It's my pleasure.
0: I, it was a song that they play in the process called The Living Years, and it was by Mike and the Mechanics, and it was sung by the lead singer, Paul Carrick. And I don't remember ever hearing the song before, but I heard it at Hoffman and they, during a, one of the... Um, special uh, events that they do during that week. And I remember crying and the song won a Grammy. And it's basically about a son regretting, you know, not connecting with his father and before his father passed away. Now I had the opposite. My father and I were so close. I mean, I went to Hoffman and I never forget. I, when I did my paperwork, I filled out a hundred negative traits I got from my mother and five from my father. My father was amazing. He was a Holocaust survivor. And he survived Auschwitz, the book of He loved me. And I just felt unconditional love from him. But by the time I left Hoffman, I identified 125 negative traits of my mother and 125 my father. My father gave me a lot of stuff, too, that I didn't realize. And it was amazing because, you know, that's what, how great that process was. It brought out things in me that I was doing that I didn't realize where, where they were coming from. So that was number one. That helped me identify. But that song, "The Living Years," was so amazing that every time I played it when I left Hoffman, I just I just kept getting a um, a, a chill, and it, and it probably was that it reminded me of the process. Not because again I had an amazing relationship with my dad, so every year I would put the Ringo and the All Star Band tour together. I would I would go out and find musicians and come up with ideas, and I would go to Ringo and say, um, you know, I mean, the first tour. We did together, and he had his musicians that he wanted. And you know, he had his relationship with Joe Walsh, his brother-in-law, and he wanted the guys from the band. And I wanted Billy Preston, and you know, different ones. But then it got to a point where, okay, we'd have our meeting, and and I would say, um, Here's who I think we should have on the tour. And I I wanted to go meet Paul Carrick. So I I got a hold of him, I went to England. And because back of my mind is, if I could hear that song, The Living Years, every night. On tour, that would be oh, what a gift I could give myself. So I remember going to meet Paul. I went to Bournemouth. I went all the way down south to to see him perform at a little theater, and I went in to pitch him on this idea of going on tour, and I convinced him to do it. And the next day, I go see Ringo. So oh, who do you have in mind? And I said, Well, I have this person and that person, and then I really like to get Paul Carrick because he won the, the Grammy and the Living Years, and he also he was he sang a song called Tempted. He was he's been in like three bands. What a voice the guy has. And he turned to me and says, oh, you just want that song because you want to hear it every night. And I said, yeah, I do want to hear it every night. And we're going to listen to it every night. I love it. <laughs> and I had to convince him to put Paul on the tour. And uh, so he did. And it turned out Paul was the biggest star on the tour besides Ringo that summer. And he was really the star. And uh, it was, he, he was amazing. About six months later, I was producing a camp at Abbey Road in England. And I was talking to one of my campers, and we were having this conversation. And she said to me, she came over to me and said, you know, my father is very good friends with Mick Mason from Pink Floyd, and he probably would love to do the camp. And I said, that would be great. Do you ever talk to your father? And saying, no, no, I don't have a relationship with my father, And but my mother's here. And she proceeded to tell me how she didn't have a relationship with her father, and he got married again, and she felt totally abandoned. So a light clicked in my mind. I said, okay. I go back to my room that night and I call Paul Carrick and he lives in England. I said, Paul, do me a favor. Would you come to Abbey Road Studio and do a Q&A with the campers? And I'd love to just to surprise them. Again, I love to bring surprise guests into camp. And he said, of course, David. And he came and I set up a piano form and uh, he answered all these people's questions about his career and it was fabulous. And then most of the people left the room and I turned to him and I said, Paul, I need your favor. I want you to meet this young lady. Her name is Julia and no last name, but she definitely loves that I tell the story because I said, would you do me a favor? Would you sing the song there? Now, here I'm asking a big rock star who won a Grammy, and he's a major touring star, Paul character, to sing the song just to this lady one-on-one because I want her to hear the lyrics, and I want her to realize how important it is for her to have a relationship with her father. You know, he was so nice to me, and he, he knew that I'd done the process. of, And, you know, I kept explaining to him how the song was, was so important to me. And he sang the song. She started to cry and cry. And then I hugged her, and uh, and then I said, thank you to Paul. And then I turned to her, and I said, let me tell you something. This is really important for you, to hear the words in the song. And, and you want to go try to make up with your dad and find a way to get to him. Oh, he won't. He won't. Well, I'll tell you, the end of the story is, that not only did she make up for her father, they have a relationship, but as a gift to me, her father told Nick Mason from Pink Floyd all about the rock and roll fantasy camp. And I, I contacted him and he got that, we both contacted each other. I remember I went and he said, David, I'd love to do your camp because I heard how emotional it is for people and, and how life-changing it is. And not only did he come to camp, this is the greatest thing. He stayed for four days. He said, I love what you do. I never get to play with Roger Daltry. I never get to play with Joe Walsh. And, and he, I said, I'm always playing my music. And he stayed for four days. And then he leaves. And he calls me up a week later He says, do you mind if I write a story in GQ about my experience at your camp? And it was unbelievable. So, you know, just from that song and, and the process. and And this lady, she comes to all my camps. She has a relationship with her father and just that one song, the power of that one song. So you see how music does change people's lives.
1: I mean, I'm speechless. I listen to that song and it is one of the songs that every time I hear something different in it, and I'm fighting back tears in front of the room as well every time we're playing it. But to just hear how that song has traveled through your life, heard it in Hoffman, traveled through your life and brought healing to others is incredible.
0: Can you imagine me going to Paul McCartney one day and say, "Paul, will you play something? <laughs> will you play uh, Ringo? Will you play Yellow Submarine for this one person, one on one,
1: just like a private concert?" But it speaks to the power of just you, would be proud, you know, just knowing and trusting what you saw in others, and again it speaks to this huge, massive heart that you have,
0: realizing how that one song. And, you know, my wife always makes fun of me because, David, you never listen to lyrics. I don't. I'll say, I love this song. And she says, Do you know what this song's about? It's about breaking up. I said, Okay. <laughs> I love the music. <laughs> and that was the one song that I finally learned, you know, listened to the lyrics and analyzed the lyrics. But I like the sound and the music. The power of music is just, it is amazing. And you get some great music at the process, you know, great songs. And that, that playlist is incredible.
1: We appreciate that. So uh, you started off your introduction talking about family, and we talked to, about your children. But how how else do you feel that you as a father, as a husband, have really shifted or changed post-process?
0: Well, the f- funny thing was, when I went, I had to explain to my kids where I was going. So I think uh, I told them I was going to daddy camp. <laughs> I'm going to a place where I'm going to learn to be a better daddy. <laughs> so
1: This is great so many people are like, what do I say? You know, so I love to hear how we left it. Some people call it love camp, but okay, you're going to dad camp.
0: Daddy camp. And I'm going to learn how to be a dad. I'm going to get to learn how to be a better father. So dad's going away. I'm going to be off my phone, which is a blessing. It's a blessing to be off your phone. So I remember telling my kids, they asked, where are you going? Why can't we talk to you for a week? I said, I'm going to daddy camp. I'm going to learn how to be a dad and that to me it it did change me in such an amazing way because you really learn to become a better father you learn to listen to your kids i mean you go through those traits and just listening and and having patience for your kids you know you know i remember having lunch with a, a big manager the other day and we were talking about the olden days you would be there but you wouldn't be there you would be you wouldn't be present so how many parents you know, we're worried about our business. Our kid comes over to us and, and says something. And say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, all I was waiting for a call from one of my athletes and my rock stars. And I would say yeah to my kids. And I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention. You know, today, I'm so lucky. I have a wonderful wife and a wonderful two children from my current wife and three children from my first marriage. The second set of kids, I was able to be there. I didn't live on the road. I'm able to listen to my kids. And even today, my older kids, they call me, and it's my preference. I listen to what they have to say. My wife would call me. I listen to what I learned to listen. Before Hoffman, I would just spew out, spew out, spew out. And I didn't really have the conscience until I went through all those, you know, learning all the the issues that um, the negative traits that I got from my parents. I didn't want to give them to my kids. And it made me aware. And I think that that's really a beautiful thing. Hoffman. I became a better parent and I became a better husband. I also was able to find a different type of partner and to find out again what my needs were. You know, I'll share this, you know, and I got married the first time I was 20 years old and I married a woman. I wanted to save her. I was going to save. I want to save the world. You know, after I did Hoffman, I realized. Hey, I need to be saved. You know, I'm allowed to enjoy life and find a wife who will save me, you know, not save me, but be a partner. And so you're able to identify better who your partner is or what you need as an individual. You know, again, it opened me up and not to be afraid to say what I need and to see what I needed in a relationship. And also my kids, I was able to listen more. And I see all five of my kids. I'm really proud of them all. Whether one is a successful nutritionist to a rabbi, married to a rabbi. My son works in a law firm. He's happy. And then these teenagers, I have one son in Israel. I'm studying there, and he's happy there. And then I can see how complete these kids are. My daughter, my teenage daughter, I realized that having the Hoffman process in me, I was able to raise my kids to be more complete and find happiness. And it's probably the cheapest thing you can do in your life that will give you something that you can't find anywhere, anywhere.
1: And I know earlier we had mentioned that you bring your quadrinity, that practice, that tool into your faith tradition. But is there are there any other tools or practices that help you keep just your spirit alive, keep Hoffman alive in you?
0: So as I enjoy elevators, I think that elevators is a um, a great tool. It really is the one that. That gets me. <laughs> it's probably my my number one tool when I'm having an issue uh, to understand why I'm feeling that fear or, or that or that feeling. Another one I use, and I'm not sure if they do it still at Hoffman or they do some similar, is I write down the negative feeling on a beach on sand, and then I think of how to turn it around. And once the water takes away that the negative feeling, up comes that positive feeling. So I love the tools. I mean, the tools are just amazing. Writing meditation. I love the app. My wife said to me today, let's take the app out and start meditating every day. And I said, let's do it. You know, And that's a great thing. I think that one of the points, I think that we all come out of Hoffman and we all say, boy, I, I, I want my friends to do it. I want my, my wife to do it. I want my kids to do it. I want everybody to do it. And you know, it took my wife five years to finally do it. You come out of there and you want the whole world to do it. But I think what happens is, is your actions and your change that will probably prompt people to want to do Hoffman. So if your friends don't go right away, if your partners don't go right away, don't panic. They will see the change in you and they're going to want that change. They're going to really want it. And then they'll go, it's five years later, fine. If it's six, seven, eight years later, they're going to want to have that life. As you come out of there, and you want to buy it for everybody you know? <laughs> and you can't.
1: I Hey, you're hired, David. You did an excellent pitch on that is probably one of the things that we try hardest to remind people to really be the change, right? To really focus on your being and let that inspire change in others, but to really not not tell people they have to go, not tell people they have to change, but you really model that. So thank you for that.
0: And, and you know, I, I was able to get on a plane and fly to Australia, to fly to Japan. I can't tell you the benefits of, and in so many different ways, you know, fears I had of being stuck on a plane that long and you know, and Hoffman just cleared all that stuff up. Really did. It really, get. I sleep better, you know, sleeping better. I mean, that's the thing you do every day.
1: You named those as patterns. Some of those fears or phobias.
0: Yes. Yeah, I have fears. I definitely have fears and phobias, you know, and coming from a father, a Holocaust, you know, father who t- tell me stories every day you know, about his life and surviving in the camps. And uh, my mother didn't go through the camps, but they they left Germany right after Kristallnacht. And, you know, my grandfather took the diamonds and, and you know, I asked how he was able to leave. They they lived in Berlin, they took diamonds, they they tied them, sewed him into this jacket, and he said, oh, we're just going on vacation. And they left. I mean, they didn't have a childhood like my kids have or like I was afforded to have, coming from people like, you know, my folks. And, and no one has a normal childhood. What we think is normal, but everyone's parents have issues, and everyone has issues. I'll tell you another great thing with Hoffman. I'm able to learn to read people so much better. I mean, one of the things I always point out when I have a conversation is I look at someone in the in the eye. If you look at people, most people can't look you in the eye. They look up, they look down, and that was really the one of the great things I learned Hoffman that exercise where you know we look in people's eyes, and I love that one. I mean, there's so many of them.
1: You're absolutely right. Eye contact is a beautiful thing and allows us to, to see each other and to, to see ourselves. But I really appreciate your time and your vulnerability today, David. Um, it was such a pleasure to have you on.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no vulnerable. That was a big thing that I learned at Hoffman too. It's
1: great. And I have to say, like, I really encourage people to go and watch your movie. It's on Amazon Prime and it's called Rock Camp. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's Rock Camp you probably realize some of the Hoffman stuff in there that I've learned.
1: <laughs> I just got to see so much of you, but then I also got to see, as you were mentioning, just the souls of these people that were going to rock and roll fantasy camp. And it was just such an amazing feel-good story. I tell you, my husband's a, a huge guitar player and I was he was like, oh, what are you watching? And he came in and started watching it with me. And by the end, I was like, I think I want to go. And he's like, you don't know how to play anything. And I was like... I know, but it is so inspiring to kind of watch people in their element, in their joy, in their passion. And so I encourage everyone to go watch that and get a little bit of that spark back. But also just a huge thank you for doing this kind of stuff out in the world.
0: Thank you. And and again, forever Hoffman. And I wish everyone would do it.
1: Well, thanks again, David.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation.
0: And I'm Raz Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love. In themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to HoffmanInstitute.org.